Welcome back to Trust God Bro. Today is episode one of a new series we're starting called Servants of Grace. So the reason why I created this was because the past summer I finished reading this biography and it was on 21 different Christians and I really loved it. I got like a lot of help from it. I really enjoyed it and I think it's something that all people and especially young people can learn from and which is like the lives of older Christians. So there's a lot we can learn from older Christians, and on this podcast, I wanted to do something similar. So it's kind of like a biography, but I'm doing it through audio, so you can kind of call it like an audio biography. (laughs) But So I have a list of questions, and I'm just going to cruise through these, and you can sit back and just get knowledge from it. And it's going to be a little bit like this game called Hot Seat. So it starts off with easy, lighthearted questions, and we move to more deeper questions about life. And so for the first episode, uh, we have one of my mentors who strongly influenced my life. So it's Mike Meese. And even though we are like 40, 50 years different, Mike and I are really similar because, I mean, apparently you say that um, I'm, a, I'm a lot like a younger you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so without further ado, I wanted to introduce you, introduce you to Mike. Um, yeah, so I just, I got a lot of questions. Um, any, anything you want to start off by saying about introduce yourself or? No, I, I kind of look forward to this. I, I, uh, I, I like to be questioned. Good. It doesn't bother me at all. I like questions. Very good. Well, um, we got some simple questions. First one is like, where did you grow up? Like, where are you from? Well, I grew up right here in Bloomington Normal. Uh, I went to school locally and uh, uh, grew up. Uh, my dad uh, worked for the railroad, mm-hmm. and so uh, it's kind of, he, he was in a kind of a dying uh, industry that kind of has now revived, but uh, he was an electrician hmm. for the railroad. And uh, so I grew up uh, just, uh, just an average life, went to public schools, and uh, went to... Uh, Bloomington Public Schools and then Illinois State University and then I spent a little time in the Army. Good. And so like where are you at today? Like where do you work today? What is your daily schedule like? Well uh, now I'm kind of uh, I guess you'd say semi-retired in that I work uh, about 30 hours a week at uh, Midwest Food Bank and I do their human resources work and that's something that I did for 30 years at the Panagraph mm-hmm. so it's kind of natural for me to be involved uh, with people and and uh, and uh, so that's and I like HR work. Mm. I, I didn't know much about it, and I don't know that I would have even chosen it uh, as a youth. It just mm. was something that opened up to me, and I'm I'm glad it did. It made sense as I at the time I was going through it, and it makes even more sense now that I look back at it. Yeah. All right. So if you had like a completely free day off and you could do anything in the world, what would you want to do to like relax? Um, relax. Uh, I would probably say reading is probably what I like to do to relax, uh, but I, I can only do that so long, and then I kind of like to uh, talk uh, with people, talk to people, have them talk to me and discuss hmm. uh, ideas and concepts, maybe discuss what has been read. Uh, I think in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be a teacher, so I would hmm. suppose that, uh, that being a teacher is, uh, is one of the things that's carried forward. 
regardless of what you do. We have certain attributes that we naturally uh, gravitate toward, and I suppose uh, being a teacher is one of those for me. Mm. Yeah. And, like, how many national parks have you been to? <laughs> I think, I don't know the number. We've been to mm-hmm. almost all the national parks in the continental wow. United States, and some of them in, uh, uh, one in Alaska. We have a couple in the continental United States we haven't been to, but other than that, we've been to all of them. And, and this is something that we've only done in the last uh, maybe uh, 20 years of our life. That be, we being my wife, Barb, and myself. Yeah. And so your wife, Barb, how long have you guys been married? And uh, We've been married, uh, let's see, 51 years. Wow. And so it, 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 was, it was a good decision on my part, and I think she <laughs> believes it was a good decision on her part. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we understand each other, and mm. uh, the, the, the very things that uh, caused us to come together and attracted us to one another are are still there today. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's cool to hear. And uh, just like going like backtracking, like if someone asked you like who you are, like what would you tell them? Well, uh, we have many roles in life. So I would say that I am a husband and a father and a grandfather. Uh, I also think that I'm a, a, a good friend. Uh, I think that I yeah, am uh, known as uh, being an encourager to people, and I guess uh, I I like being an encourager because I had good encouragers in my life who really made a difference in my life, and I had moments when I needed to be encouraged, and so uh, what was done to me resonated with me, and then I in turn wanted to do that mm-hmm. for others. So I guess that's why I kind of I always fall back on that. Yeah. Say that's like very core to who you are, and I mean, you you work with lots of people. You're very relational. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I do. Uh, I work uh, with uh, returning veterans, people that have returned from combat, because I did that at one point, and uh, I know how devastating that can be. So again, it's using it's using life's experiences to uh, propel you into doing other things, and it and it really always comes back to. Uh, what you can do for others, uh, it, it always, it, it, regardless of whatever situation you might find yourself in life, in, uh, it's always better when you can pivot and think in terms of what can I do to help another person. Hmm. And that, that probably is what gives life its greatest meaning, is our relational, the relational aspects of working with other people and helping them, and helping them to better their life and helping them to to come through difficult times and uh, ease their journey, if if you will, mm. uh, for them. So, yeah, uh, I, I I think this is something that I've always thought about, uh, and I remember being a young boy thinking, I I would like to have a job where I could help people mm. and help them to have not necessarily a, 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 not like a better life, but a more peaceful life or feel better and more at peace and to understand uh, how we all fit together. And I can remember thinking that at a very young age, like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember praying about getting to do that someday in life. And, and, and actually, it's, it's come true. I've gotten to do it. Mm. So. And not in the conventional way. It's almost <laughs> happened in yeah. different, uh, uh, obscure ways almost a little bit. Uh, um, Going into the military could be a devastating thing, but 
I went into the military and was a medic. So that that's completely counter to what the military mm-hmm. is. And so I found myself, you know, an unusual uh, having an unusual mission in the midst of a mission that was completely opposed to what I personally felt. And yet my personal mission was to to ease the suffering of my fellow soldier. And so mm-hmm. I got to do that. So yeah. that was very gratifying. Mm-hmm. And in essence, uh, I, I suppose in, in kind of a funny way, I'm still doing that. Yeah. That's like perfect, I guess, in a way of like, I mean, moving into deeper questions, uh, Vietnam, like you served in Vietnam, has really influenced your life. I mean, you wrote a memoir, a memoir on it. And yeah, I think that's, one of the core things that drives you today is just your experience from that. And like you said, like that experience that helps you to serve other people today of like knowing what you've gone through. And um, yeah, so we don't have like the time to go over like your whole experience in Vietnam. Like I would love for everyone listening to hear it because it really is. So if you have time, I'd recommend you to read his memoir. Uh, It's very good and I, I like it and just spend the time. But yeah, just like answer one question about Vietnam. How did Vietnam change the way you look at your life today? Uh, well, I would say the first thing it does, it, it presents you with such a difficult moment. Uh, and when you come out on the other side of that, however you come out, uh, ill or well, it does alter how you view things. And if you come out of it well, and if you come, come out of it stronger than you went in, then it allows you to, to sustain all kinds of difficult things after the fact. Uh, it prepares you to, uh, to do difficult things, and it kind of defines in your mind what you can do and what you can't do. And so you have to say, if I did that, I can do this. And that's kind of one of the things that comes out of it. Uh, it does alter your viewpoint of, of mankind. Uh, uh, it, there's a, a darker side to all of us, and that side came out in more... But also there's a there's a heroic side of us, and that too came out in more. So mm-hmm. you, you you see life uh, with without any without any blinders between <laughs> you and uh, what life is all alike. And so uh, I think it, it altered my view of life, and uh, I've tried to take the positive aspects of it and mm-hmm. help help other people with it and uh, try to minimize the negative aspects mm. of my life as it pertains to other people, too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's definitely very, like, when I was just reading your book, it's just, like, it's very raw of, like, what was going on, and, and de- you just see humanity for what it is, and um, I think it's, it's helpful, especially being, like, a young man. Like, you, how old were you? You were... I turned 22. 22. So. Wow. So uh, at the time, I, I really didn't know all that was happening to me when I was there. And it's only in later years that I could see kind of what was happening and what, what the, the, the effects of what you saw and, and what, you, um, what you witnessed. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that I, I, I'm, I'm thankful that I look back on my duty and say that it was of a positive nature because of what I was asked to do as opposed to a negative nature. And uh, for that, I, I'm thankful every day of my life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, But I would also say, too, that uh, there isn't a day of my life that goes by that I, I don't momentarily 
think about Vietnam. Mm. So it, it, it stays with you all your life. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, we could spend more time on this. I think it's, there's a lot there. Um, but for the sake of time, I just think moving on to the next question would probably be good. So, like, what advice would you give to someone in their 20s or 30s of, like, just looking at your own life? What, what would you offer for advice? I think when we're young, and I think in life in general, we worry a lot about things. And uh, we are concerned and worry about things. Many things we, wor- we worry about never happen. And uh, we spend a lot of unnecessary time uh, worrying about things uh, that, we may or may not be able to control. Uh, we spend a lot of energy and a, and a lot of our, our, our waking hours uh, concerned about things. And I would say uh, my advice to, would be to just to step back from your worries a little bit and learn how to speak of those worries. And it takes courage to do that, to speak of your worries to other people which minimizes them. The, the very moment that you speak the worry, the, the, it, it, it minimizes it and it lessens it in your mm. mind and, it, and, and you're better able to handle it. Uh, talking to others and getting thoughts out is, is important because it puts things in perspective and perhaps they will have a perspective that mm. will help you. So yeah. I, I would say uh, communication, uh, have a friend, have someone that you can talk to, mm have that friend that you can tell anything to, and uh, it, isn't, it isn't told uh, for any reason then just to get it out and to articulate it. and to, You take it out and you can kind of handle it and look at it and look at that concern and that worry, and, and you can see that it's perhaps not as uh, gigantic as you thought. Hmm. So you have to be courageous to speak of your own concerns, and then you also have to be patient to listen to those of your fellow man too mm. yeah so it's good advice I, I, it's like 90 or like 80% of the things we worry about I heard like don't actually happen you know it's like we spend a lot of time worrying about things that never happen and I think that's also something that our generation cares about the most is being genuine of like we walk around and like no one talks about the, the worries or the fears or like you don't have genuine friendships and that's the thing that our generation seeks the most and so when we meet people like in your generation or, or whoever, just people in general that are genuine, like real, it's like we're attracted to that and we want that. Um, but it's a struggle. And so. And I think it's harder nowadays because we have so many other things that w- which we believe are communication, but they mm-hmm. aren't really communication. Yeah. So we have uh, virtual worlds uh, where we are concerned how many likes we get, for instance. And the reality is that none of that matters. It's what conversation did you have one-on-one with a person when mm. you sat alone and you talk? And, and those are the things that matters. And, and so we're kind of always, we, we have erected uh, measurements that really aren't that valid. And I think they, they, are, they are demeaning to our growth uh, and detrimental to our growth as, a, as an individual. Mm. Uh, it, it, we, are, we think we're so well-connected in reality we are not as well connected as maybe earlier generations were when they had less to interfere with that one-on-one yeah. type of thing. Uh, we, uh, 
we kind of have learned, I think we're losing a little bit the ability to write and to, because we, everything is done mm -hmm. in, uh, as a Twitter or a text and it, it's fine, but uh, we, we haven't, uh, we're, I think we're losing some things. And uh, you could say, well, that's an old man who uh, lived a long time ago and he isn't up to date. And uh, yeah, well, it gives me all the more reason to say there's a lot more to life than, than the, some of the things that we hold so dear. Hmm. It's kind of like learning to wean ourselves from some things, uh, uh, from instantaneous communication and what's going on with our phone. And uh, uh, People used to sit and wait for someone to show up, and they had nothing to look at. Nowadays, you see people waiting in a park or on a bench or someplace in there and waiting in a restaurant they don't want to appear they're doing nothing, so they're sitting mm -hmm. there looking constantly, and it's like, there's a world going on around you, and you ought to look at it and look at the people around you. Mm -hmm. And when you're with your peer group, you should look around you and say, we'll never be this age at this moment again. And we should just look around and say, this is real, and these are the people that I'm with right now. Mm -hmm. And even if we propose to meet a week from today at this exact same time in this exact same spot, it won't be the same because that moment would have been lost. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of losing moments because we're either worrying or we're, we're projecting ourselves ahead rather than living in the moment. Mm. And we have to live in the moment as it is and, mm. and uh, be conscious that, that we have an obligation to, we have an obligation to share what we know and our experiences and we have an obligation to help a fellow man. I mean, I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I would always say that we are our brother's keeper, and we're told that in Scripture. So, so we, we have an obligation. Everyone we meet, and we may not uh, agree with everyone we meet. We might not. We might be far apart in certain ideas, but everyone we meet is is a creation of God. Mm -hmm. And that was brought vividly to me at, again back in Vietnam when mm -hmm. I was asked to work on an enemy soldier. And at that moment, it, it was very vivid to me. I was asked to work on him to. As a medic, and he, he, we had we had wounded him, and they asked me to help him, and I uh, helped him, and he was wounded, and I worked on his wound, and as I did that, I realized it came to me at 21 or 22 years old that uh, he was created by God too, and we had been told that we were enemies, but he had never done anything to me personally, and I hope I never done anything to him. Now I got to help him, and he acknowledged that help. And there was a moment of a bond right there between two soldiers who had been told they were enemies. And we, I think we have to keep that in mind all our lives. We, we, we have to reduce the barriers between ourselves, and, and, and we have to reach out to people. We're so afraid people are going to take advantage of us or that they're going to have some control over us, and uh, control comes from kindness. We control events and we control our world by kindness and, and concern and, and love for our fellow man. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's like so so much gold right there that we just need to hear. We always think we control by power. You don't control by power. You don't control by authority. You control by love. You control hmm. by kindness. And, and uh, not that you want to control someone, but if you want to move someone in the right direction, you want them to move them and encourage them in, the, in, in a different way, in a way that, which in your belief is to their to their betterment, 
then you do so with love. And the minute they start to head in that direction, you encourage them by saying that, that makes sense. I think you're doing the right thing. And to say that to someone you like is a powerful thing because um, you're encouraging them to do the right thing in your estimation. Hmm. Yeah. All right. And then for the next question, like, what do you think, thinking about all the moments in your life, what have been some of the most pivotal moments that you just come back to of, like, this influenced me, like, this moment right here? Like, you have, I know you have them, but, like, just picking one out, it doesn't have to be the most, but, like, one of the most influential ones. I think I learned... um I think I, I, I learned uh, uh, courage from people, and it helped me then have courage. And the irony of it was it wasn't on the battlefield. And though I saw moments of great personal courage, and uh, it, it is a wondrous thing to behold, the courage that I've actually seen probably has been in uh, the business world or in my, my work life, my professional life, when people have stepped up to do something, and they've handled it in such a way so exquisitely that it couldn't yeah, that it, it, it almost left you uh, breathless and in awe of how they handled it. And in all those cases, they did it by being open and upfront and, and uh, going where you didn't expect them to go. They, they addressed someone's fears. They addressed someone's anger. They addressed someone's uh, resentment, whatever it is, whatever difficult thing they were facing. They did it by addressing it and talking about it and bringing it out and going right where the other person was at that moment. And I, 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 I saw that in men that I worked for. Uh, I, uh, I, and I've seen it in just about every, every place that I've ever worked. Uh, there's always an individual who personifies. Um, and at each phase of my life, those people have been a part of my life. I have one now. I had one uh, 20 years ago. I had one 40 years ago. I had one 60 years ago at every phase. Yeah, when I was young, it might have been a teacher or, a, or a, 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 an uncle or, uh, or um, it, uh, it, 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 very early on it was, it was a parent. Uh, so there have always been these people that have influenced me and, and it was what they influenced me with was their courage of the moment and their ability to to cut through to the right thing and handle it in such a way that it was a positive for everyone. They took a bad situation and explained it and made it better and helped everyone through it. So those are the, those are the, the defining moments when we thought something, how is this going to work out? And someone brought it all together with a few words of encouragement and, and leadership and showed us set the example for how to do it. Uh, mm. You always admire those people who not only show you how to do it, but they actually do it themselves, mm. not asking you to do anything that they wouldn't do. Mm. And, and so those, that, that, that's, that's leadership. And when yeah. I've seen that leadership, I tried to emulate that after the fact and try to recall it in later years so you can, so you can keep it all fresh and that you can pass it on. At uh, my point, at, my, at this point in life, I'm passing on. So this mm-hmm. is a handoff. So I'm <laughs> handing off. When I speak to younger people, it's a handoff because I'm not going to be around that much longer. But the Lord willing, they will. So I hand off what I've learned to them, and then they carry it on, and they then in turn will 
hand it off to someone else. Mm. Yeah. 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 And just like with leadership, like you said, about like not afraid to like just emulate that yourself, but just like being around people and just like your life. And also like, like when I worked with my dad for a summer on grain elevator, like we would scoop dirty, smelly pits and like he would come in and you'd come down with a shovel and get in the, the old rotten corn and you'd scoop with us. And I think it's just really influential when you have people in your life that do that. And yeah, it's good. It, 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 it makes an impact upon you. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said earlier in our in our conversation today, courage is a wondrous thing to behold, and it, but it isn't always on the battlefield, and it's always some. It's many times in everyday life, and if we just pause a little bit, we can understand and see it, and it inspires us to go on and do even greater things, mm. and hopefully then to lead by example, just as we have been led by their example. Mm. Um, so we do have some time to answer two more questions I think so what do you do for your devotional life what does your devotional life look like well I would say my devotional life is more steady now than it was when I was young I think it's become more steady as I've matured in age maybe it's because I I take the time I can't say I have more time uh, I don't think you know a day is only so long but I think I am better at taking the time anchoring my day with a, a devotional time. Uh, and I do mine in the morning. Uh, I am uh, always have been an early, uh, early to bed, early to rise person, so I'm always fine in the morning. I've always been able to get up at early hours. Uh, even as a child, I was that way, and my work is always, uh, I've always had morning work, you know, so, so I get up and uh, I uh, spend some time, and I spend it alone. Uh, and it's given me a chance to uh, read, and uh, and I think there's been times when I've been rushed, and I read, and I should have been not only reading but meditating afterwards and thinking and just thinking about what I read, and and I I think I'm better at that, and I think I'm a better reader. I really concentrate on what it is saying to me as I'm reading the scripture, and uh, and, and I read other things, other devotionals that kind of tie it together a little bit for me. So that, that's kind of what I do. And then I think about it throughout the day. And then when I come back to it the next day, I sometimes look back at what I've read. And, um, and, and that, that sustains me. And it's amazing how you think you're sometimes just opening to something or you're, uh, you're not even intentionally looking for anything and it opens up to exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. And so scripture is that way because if the Holy Spirit is leading you, then he... He, he gives you what you need for that day. And so that's how I start my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and with this podcast, I like to give application, like lots of like application-driven. And a lot, of thing, a lot of time for application is just taking a verse and just like applying that. Like what is this? Or like using this verse as a promise to hold on to. If I'm trying to fight sin, I can hold on to a verse. And so like... What do you have like a, a life motto or specifically is there a verse that has like shaped your life or like what would you say is like a verse that has been pivotal in your life? Well, there's a, a lot of them. Um, uh, one of them is uh, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And I, 
I always think of that, and it helps me uh, think of my Heavenly Father as an earthly father. I was 19 when my father died, and so I suppose there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about my dad, and I've now outlived him by many years. And so uh, I often wonder what my life had been like if he had lived, but there's, there's nothing to be gained by that, so I have to say, okay, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I feel loved when I think of that verse because I knew my dad loved me, and so I kind of associate my father in heaven and my earthly father, and, and that helps me understand the love of a father. And that, that has always been kind of a key key thing for me. And I, I would say the other thing is a verse that my father-in-law always had and liked it, and that was, though he slay me, him will I follow. Mm. Though, he said, though God slay me, him will I follow. And I, I think that's where you, you stay connected. And uh, I learned that even when things don't go well and you don't perform as you think you should and you fall short mm. as a believer in Christ, that you keep coming back to it, and you have to you have to overcome that discouragement that comes from failure, and return to him, even when it's a personal failure or a, a failure of uh, of sin, whatever it is. In in your worst moment, you have to learn to turn to him and not be ashamed to come back and talk to him when things don't go the way. We we, we shouldn't we should not be alarmed when we don't get what we want in life. We have failings. Other people have failings, and so. We, we shouldn't get upset when we feel we are we have failed or someone has failed us, mm -hmm. and we have to just pick ourselves up and and continue on the journey. Uh, it, it isn't a matter of giving up. It isn't a matter of saying, "Oh, this is terrible and it's not going anywhere." And so discouraged. We all have moments of discouragement, mm -hmm. but we have to pick ourselves up and then keep going. Mm -hmm. um, I say many times to those that I know. Those that I uh, love and want to encourage, and that is that uh, the life of a believer is a life of uh, perseverance, not mm -hmm. a life of perfection. And if we focus on perfection, then we will become so discouraged. So we, we just have to keep going. Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, we can't let it get us down. And I think I suppose I got some of that resilience from, from um, I always think, my mother, who was very resilient and always kept going and uh, I think of her many times that's mm -hmm. kind of how I work through those things that whatever happens we have to keep going we can't stop life is a continuous thing and so it's a continuum from from birth to grave and so our goal is to to become as close to Christ as we can our goal in life is to know him as intimately as we can and that means we have to come back to him a lot and concentrate so mm -hmm. we have to concentrate on our spiritual life and, uh, and then part and parcel of that is not only in our spiritual life, but how spiritually we can help others. So those are the two tenets. Keep going yourself uh, and keep yourself focused. And, and then, by all means, it isn't just about you. In fact, it's not at all about you. It's how you can serve your fellow man. Mm -hmm. To have a closeness with Christ is wonderful. To have that closeness explain and being able to explain that to someone else and see that happen in their life is what makes life worth living. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you say all the time, like surrender to victory and we just need to drop our walls and just receive that grace and mm -hmm. let it change us. 
Yeah, that, that, that was a concept the military could never understand, but a believer in Christ and a, and a, a student of life knows that we, have to, we surrender. We, we surrender to Christ, and that's, it seems like, how does that happen? How do you surrender to victory? But in the spiritual realm, that's exactly what happens. When we surrender to him, uh, the greatest things happen because it is not us. He uses us. We are the instrument, and he doesn't take us out of the battle. He is there with us and takes us through it. And in that process, we, we see other people, and other people see us in that battle. And so then we, we lead by, by our surrender to him. Uh, our surrender to him becomes something that others see in us, and they want that for themselves. They don't see us, they see Christ. I can't imagine there's anything that, whether you live long or short number of years, it's always the same. How have we, how has Christ been seen in our lives? If we live for 20 years, have we shown Christ in those 20 years? If we live for 80 years, how have we shown Christ in those 80 years? Mm -hmm. Actually, there's nothing else that really matters. There's nothing beyond that because there's nothing more important. Mm. So, so, so when I say to you, uh, Dayton, does this make sense to you? Then you understand what I'm saying, and what what that is 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 to get is is asking you to con, uh, to confirm in your mind what we've talked about, mm -hmm. and it's an acknowledgement that what we've talked about is important to you, and you accept what we have talked about, and that has been hopefully most of the time our conversation centers upon how we can all, myself, everyone how we can all be closer to Christ, mm -hmm. how we can be, uh, not merely, you know, but not merely that we love Christ, but do, are we in love with him? And so when we talk about intimacy in life, and we think of married life or whatever intimacy uh, that, that Christ wants, there's that intimacy with him, and that is, that, that is our lifetime goal, and nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, Mike asked me that question pretty much every time we meet. Does this make sense? And, I mean, I'll ask the same thing to people listening. It's like, does this make sense? Do you understand? Yeah, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Are we in agreement on this? You know, is this, do you understand what we're trying to cover here? This is, sometimes it, it, it seems so alien sometimes to us. That there's so many things out there that, that we can spend our time on. And yet there's nothing that compares with with understanding the principle of who made us and who redeemed us, and that redemption uh, is the most important thing that we will ever consider in our life. Um, I often say, I, I, I remember there was a guy I had, uh, we had spiritual conversations with in Vietnam, and he was not a, a, a churched individual, and yet we, we always talked about it. He, he always brought it up. And, and I was glad that he brought it up. And, and, and uh, I, I, ironically, I seldom had to bring it up. He was the one that came back and talked to me. I wish I could tell you that I was the one that brought it up. Most of the time it was him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, he was willing to risk being seen as interested in that more than I was willing to risk being uh, the one to tell him. So the roles were reversed in this, in this sense that the Spirit was working through him, and that pulled me forward to tell him things. And uh, 
it was always, there were a lot of concepts that were difficult for him to understand, uh, but it always came back to the fact that someone had died for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it always came back to that because there is nothing else. I mean, there's nothing else comparable to that. So it always came back to that shed blood of Christ because in life, in death, in war, in peace, in jobs, in school, and whatever it is, there's nothing that compares to that. So that is the overriding thing in life. I mean, that is the, the, the essence of our, our mankind's life on this earth. It was the shed blood of Christ mm. who intervened for us and redeemed us. And uh, when people, that's the beginning of wisdom, when, people under, when an individual understands that, that, that we always always want to be educated, we want to be smart, we want to, and we, we want to be proficient at whatever we do. Well, I hope we would all strive to be spiritually mature and understand there's nothing compares to an understanding of what happened on the cross and why it happened and understand that it personally happened for each one of us. Yeah. Well said. So, we talk about being our brother's keeper. If I want to provide the most important thing to you, the most important thing is for me to tell you of that and to reiterate that and to keep bringing you back to that. And so uh, when Dave and I have conversations about his plans, the plans all seem fine. He doesn't propose to rob a bank. He's going to do something for the Lord. But then I would always ask him, okay, uh, you know, it. It, it isn't you doing this, and it isn't for your gratification or your honor, or even uh, to make you feel good that you're doing something good. Uh, the Holy Spirit is asking you to do this, and you willingly do it knowing that if no one even knows that you did it, that's the most important thing. Hmm. I think where I'm using up all your time here. This, no, this is the perfect time. I think I got one final question, and then okay. we can call it wraps. Okay. All right, so this is the most important question of the day. What is your go-to Subway sandwich? I mean, we've talked about all of this, and we're back to this. <laughs> I can't believe it. Well, my go-to all time is tuna. And tuna. I always like that, so that's my go-to. So if you'd go to Subway with me, I'm going to have tuna salad, and I'm going to have it with just about everything on it so I load it down okay good does, right. that, does that make sense to you yeah that makes sense <laughs> we'll get tuna next time okay um yeah so thanks for the time I mean it's been just a blessing in my life and I can't wait for people to hear this and yeah do you have any thoughts or comments no, no. Uh, I've said what I believe and uh as I near the end of my life, I believe it more fervently now than I did when I was young. Mm. And I understand uh, the, the gravity of the situation more fully than I did when I was young. When we're young, we know we're going to die, but we kind of think we're immortal. And uh, after you reach a certain age, you know you're not. So, so then it becomes all the more important for, for us all to be talking about the important things in life as we face complexities and difficulties, and this has become an increasingly complex and difficult world recently, mm-hmm. um, it's still the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It always comes, it, it, we're, we're still back right where we belong, and that is, we have to say, we belong with Christ, and our goal is to serve Him with everything that we have 
full album each time. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's my, it's my, uh, it's my pleasure uh, <laughs> to serve with you, yeah. Dave. It's mm. my pleasure to serve with you. Yeah. Might as well. Well, at the end of every episode, we end it with saying, and that's how you trust God, bro. So you want to say it like with me? So I'll be like, one, two, three, and be like, and that's how you trust God, bro. Okay. All right. All right. And that's how you trust God, bro.